Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, Rockstars? Matt Johnson here. Welcome back to the UX Podcast. We have Wes Schaefer, the sales whisperer, is with us today. And we're actually going to take a little bit different tack. You probably heard his podcast. You might have seen him on other uh, podcasts as a featured guest. You might have seen uh, you know, his books and speaking and, and all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to delve a little bit into the back end of Wes's own business. Uh, I would consider him uh, as one of the few people out there running a hybrid consulting slash agency business. So in other words, he is working with a couple of different types of ideal clients. He has a couple of ways to monetize. Um, and he's specifically in terms of uh, like working with software and the, and the agency side, right? So when someone comes into him, he's able to sell them consulting to help build their sales marketing systems and get the tech all straightened out. And part of that means that he uh, resells systems like Infusionsoft and uh, is able to help kind of integrate and tie everything together. So one of the things that we went deep on was just the, the sales and marketing like what is the tension between those two roles? How does that manifest even in smaller businesses where there's really just a solopreneur at the center? Um, you know, why, uh, why the tech kind of gets in the middle of that and causes some of that frustration and tension between marketing and sales and how Wes gets in there, gets his hands dirty and kind of gets that, that stuff resolved. Um, we also talk a little bit about his group coaching program, Make Every Sale, um, which I think you should check out why you should choose who to lose uh, and the concept that, look, if you're not repelling as much as you are attracting, then your message is not strong and clear and precise enough, right? So there, there's some great lessons in there. And ultimately, we talk about why selling is a zero-sum game. Um, and I talk a lot about, you know, making sure it's a win-win and that's true for the client. However, if I'm selling and I'm working with the client, that means one of my competitors is not. And that in, the, in, that, in that sense, that's where z- selling is a zero-sum game. And so we talk about just why it's so important to be even 1% better in the sales process than our competitor. We could literally be offering the same or something very similar, but if we're 1% better in the sales process, we get 100% of the commission and they don't. And so that's the position that we wanna be in, is we wanna be 1% better uh, at the minimum in our sales process and always working on making every sale at every step of the way, making every single sale to get to the ultimate sale where they decide to work with us and even past that where they decide to recommend us and become an advocate for us to other potential clients. So we go into some fantastic stuff in this episode. You're gonna really enjoy it. I, I love the way that he's built his business and I think his business model is something that we can all learn from. And, uh, and if you are uh, interested, obviously you should definitely look at working with Wes if you are either a solopreneur looking to get into group coaching to, to streamline and, and tweak up uh, and improve your sales and marketing process. Uh, if you are a business owner with employees and you are experiencing all the frustrations of the sales and marketing tech side, uh, make sure to reach out to Wes. You can all follow, also follow his books and speaking and podcasts and all that good stuff at the Sales Whisperer. So with that being said, let's jump in for this fantastic conversation with Wes Schaefer. Well, Wes Schaefer, officially welcome to the UX Podcast. Hey man, thanks for having me. 
super pumped. And uh, we've got a bunch of stuff to get into. I, I feel like we could do about 17 different podcast episodes uh, because you are a fellow podcast host, you're a sales and marketing and tech expert. And, and you're interesting in the sense that you live at the intersection of all three of those and you found a really unique kind of hybrid business model to turn your expertise and monetize it in a couple of different ways. So we'll get into that in a second, but how do you tell people what you do? Uh, man, you did a great job. So I, I'm recording this and I'm just now going to play that when they ask what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. And you know, and I, I teach this in my sales training about, you know, kind of your elevator pitch. I, uh, you never know who you're talking to. Right. So I, I like to kind of turn things around. I always say whoever's asking the questions is in control of the conversation. So if, if I'm out and about, somebody says, what do you do? I say, sometimes I'll play a little game. I'm like, well, you know, I can tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> right. Cause I want to know, cause right. we all do a lot of things and, and you know, I, I have group training for, the individual salesperson or the business owner. I have a marketing and consulting segment for larger companies. I'm a, I'm a speaker, right? So I don't know who I'm talking to yet. So based on their answer, I'll change my answer, mm -hmm. you know, and go down one of those three or four paths to increase my chances of landing them as a client, right? Mm -hmm. so, so you do have to be careful on, on how you how you answer it, you know, unless you truly only do like one thing. Well, and if so, you better, you better have that elevator pitch nailed down. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause I've been thinking a lot about what, what my elevator pitch is as a, as a entrepreneur, as an ex, as an expert. In other words, so I've been going back and reading like David Baker's book, the business of expertise and just kind of really nailing down and thinking about, you know, okay, I might monetize it in a couple of different ways, but when, when you boil it down, like, what do I really do? Cause I think it's important for you know to be able to say that. And I think a lot of us are in the same boat where we do have, like you have two different types of ideal clients. And so you don't really know who you're talking to and you want to be able to massage it that way. So yeah, I think it's good to both have kind of something real short that you can deliver that gives the broad, like, Hey, this is what I do. This is my, this is my expertise but then asking what they do to figure out what, what type of ideal client they might be so that then you can tailor the rest of it to speak more to them than just random other, other types of people. So right. that, that makes total sense. Let, tell me a little bit about who are the two types of so the people in, that are in the audience know whether they're one or the other. Yeah. So on the one hand, you know, my make every sale program is for the motivated salesperson, uh, entrepreneur, small business owner, that wants you know, proven effective sales training, uh, both on demand and with a live component. Because the truth is we all have programs we've never logged into, shrink-wrapped things we've never opened, uh, dozens if not hundreds of pages of notes from conferences we've attended uh, and never gone back and reviewed. You know, but if you know every single week you're gonna be on a live call and you might be asked, Hey, what the hell did you do the last week to grow your business? Mm -hmm. At a minimum, an hour before the call, you'll do something. <laughs> right. <laughs> to make sure you're, you're advancing your business. Right. So that's the make every sale program. And then on, on the consulting side, it's, um, you know, a little bit bigger businesses. You know, I say rough numbers, 25 to 200 employees uh, doing at least, at least a million in business. Uh, you know, usually it's a couple million up to. 50 million, 100 million, somewhere in there. So, um, but where the business owner is still involved in the business and motivated to grow, 
and is looking to bring some order into their chaos. Mm. Uh, you know, the multi-system chaos, they got Google running, they got Outlook 365 running, they got notes sitting in Excel spreadsheets, they got sticky notes and, and salespeople have all their notes in their iPhone. It's not, it's not all brought together. Mm. You know, marketing is fighting sales. Sales is fighting IT. IT is fighting marketing. It's like, can't we all just get along? <laughs> <laughs> well, not without someone like you, they can't. Because that, I mean, that, that happens to all of us because we do things one at a time. Well, usually, I mean, companies are just not, you know, when you're at the solopreneur stage, you cannot afford a HubSpot, a Marketo, a Salesforce.com. You can't afford an all-in-one enterprise level solution that has a bunch of add-ons that you can just kind of add on to a base thing. So we end up kind of building a Frankenstein essentially. And so it sounds like that's the pain of the Frankenstein is, is when you enter and, and your job is to kind of clean all that stuff up and get them on a central platform and a, a central kind of methodology that ties all the sales and marketing together, right? Exactly. Okay. So there, there's a couple of different ways that you can monetize it. And you could have just like chosen to do one thing. You could have been a consultant speaker author you could have been an agency owner that does, has a done for you service, but you have kind of an interesting hybrid. So I want to delve into that a little bit. Tell people kind of what is the structure of, of your business and how you actually make money off of your expertise? Yeah, well, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll sign the NDA. I, I, will, I will submit. <laughs> okay, just between you and me, all right? Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, when I started 12 years ago, I, I didn't have all of that wisdom and insight and forethought, right? I, I started out as just a sales trainer, old school sales trainer, did not have a website, didn't have a merchant account. I cold called businesses uh, that were members of the chamber of commerce and invited them to a two hour workshop that I'd put on every three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and then what I discovered, um, and I kind of knew this when I was a W2 employee in sales, but when I was on my own, I, I, it really came forward because it had to, but I realized that I was a marketer trapped in a salesman's body. Uh, really? What, how, what, what happened that made you realize that? Well, I was very attracted to marketing and, and I always had been. I was attracted to copywriting and um, part of it's I'm an efficiency freak. Uh, my wife, you know, I make her crazy. Like I hate moving one thing to get to another. Oh yeah. Right? And, and it's tough when you got a, a family of nine, uh, there's always something somewhere. Uh -huh. All right. Uh, and it's always the food I want is always in the back of the fridge, right? I got to move three things to get to well, it. You're, <laughs> like, you're the husband. So you're the least important person in the least entire house. Important. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm below the seven kids, the wife and the dog. So I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm below, I, I'm, I'm like 100th. Yeah. I, I fell that far. So, so I'm an efficiency expert or, well, not an expert, a freak. Uh, and so I've gotten kind of good at being efficient. So being good at marketing made me realize I don't have to do this one-to-one -one stuff, yeah. right? So when I'm better at marketing, my website can sell. I can send letters to multiple people. Uh, and so I, I get into this one-to-many. And so, you know, I discovered that great marketing makes selling easy but great selling makes great marketing possible. Okay. Um, you can't be a great marketer. You know, McDonald's is great at marketing because they were good at selling. They were yes. good at selling because they were super efficient. Right? If you watch that movie, you know, the founder, they, those, the McDonald's brothers, they were efficiency freaks. Hmm. 
Okay, so they got good, and then Ray Kroc was a great marketer. I mean, he was a bit of a scoundrel. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to do business with him, but um, you know, they because they were great at sales, they had the money to become great at marketing. Hmm. And I always say too, you know, you got to understand the role of sales in marketing. You're you're selling somebody to give you their time, to open the envelope, to open the email, to read the email to call the 800 number at the bottom of the letter, to click on that button, to read the landing page, to opt in on the landing page, to open the next email, to finally place their order, to not file a chargeback, to give you a referral and a testimonial, to place a repeat order. That is selling, mm -hmm. right? That's sales every step of the way. Oh, but it's marketing. Yeah, whatever. Marketing is sales. <laughs> So, you know, when yeah. I, when I became a business owner, I had to be good at all of it. And because I didn't have a lot of money at, at, at start, mm -hmm. you know, it was a lot of uh, sweat equity. And then I found technology, you know, I stumbled across it. Uh, I found Infusionsoft. Uh, I actually, there was another local company that wanted me to, to rep their stuff. So they gave me a free account and it was good. It just wasn't as good as what Infusionsoft could do. So when I, when I found Infusionsoft, I, I was already... I spent about a year in this marketing automation world. And so I saw the power and, um, and even at, in corporate America, I had uh, spent a lot of time using different CRMs just with the companies that I worked at. And I never saw it as big brother. You know, a lot of salespeople will push back and yes, your boss can kind of spy on you and whatever, but I, it was very liberating to me when, when we deployed salesforce.com in 2004, uh, I used it, right? I, I dove in. I, saw, I used their templates. I used the limited broadcast ability that, that we could do as an individual salesperson. Mm -hmm. And I became more efficient. And I was, my, my last semester in high school, I took a typing class. Uh, I, was, cause I was going to the Air Force Academy, and we were the second class to be issued computers in 1988. Wow. So I took a typing class because I knew I would need it. And... Um, I'm so glad I did, right? Because I'm a pretty good typist. So when I'm talking to people, again, to be efficient, I don't want to write down notes if I don't have to. I type notes. So I'll put myself on mute and type real fast while the prospect's talking. Mm -hmm. So I'm always flipping back and forth, turning mute on, because I don't want them to hear me like frantically typing. I've right. even thought, <laughs> right. I've purchased like quiet keyboards on purpose. Yeah. So people can't hear me. Yeah. And so I would type my notes. And I remember... One time I had this kind of uh, caustic, uh, hostile relationship with my last manager because he was a bit of a bully. And um, I remember him chewing my butt, asking for this Excel report. And I'm like, why did we spend all this money on Salesforce? Why do you force us to use the tool and then mm. ask for a report? It's redundant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I've got crap to do. It's in the CRM. It's just, everything. Is, you're saying it's up to date? Yes, I'm saying I use the tool the way you told us we're supposed to use the tool. Yeah. It's in there. Fine. You need to stop asking me for redundant reports. <laughs> read me up, right? Yeah. I could sell more yep. because I wasn't in front of my computer for six hours doing some stupid update to these reports. So, so that, that spilled over into my, as I grew my own business. So I, uh, I embrace technology and I embrace the automation, but always knowing, I think we've forgotten that there's a human being on the other end of that smartphone. 
Yeah. Right. And so even though I use automation, I it's, it's humanized and people can reach me. I give them my cell phone number. Um, they can schedule time on my calendar and they get me. They don't get a lackey. Right. But because I'm very stringent and, and diligent and intentional about my verbiage about, you know, I, you know, I always say magnets repel the same degree that they attract. Yeah. So I'm very happy and willing to repel the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And so it's surprising, right? That people don't abuse it. They don't abuse the fact they have access to my cell phone. Uh, they respect it. And so I can be present for both prospects and clients by being intentional in that type of marketing. Hmm. There was one thing that, that I wanted to back up to, um, cause you talked about how, you know, sales makes great marketing possible and, and marketing really is a process of, of kind of automating and, and making a sales process more efficient. And so you can talk to more people and more of the right people and things like that. There is one thing I wanted to ask you about because um, I've noticed this with people that are, are trained high level salespeople. And I mean people that can literally go out to an extremely cold market and through a series of questions, arrive at, you know, a solution and figure out, you know, what the, what the right solution is for the customer. In other words, they, they would rather have a large number of different solutions on the back end and talk to a large swath of different uh, types of clients and different types of prospects. And they get a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction out of matching those up. Right. And I think those are the, those are the folks, if, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur like that, if that's your natural bent, I think that those are the types of people that tend to struggle with marketing the most because marketing part of it is to eliminate a lot of that. It's to narrow the offerings down as much as possible, narrow the types of clients and prospects down as much as possible so that you're selling one thing to one ideal type of person. That's a very different approach. If you, if you believe sales is that, and you believe marketing is that, like there's, there's a natural conflict there. I don't know if you've run across that. If you've noticed very many people like that, I'm just now starting to really get good or get better at identifying it. So I don't know if it's just something that I've noticed in a handful of people, or if you've noticed it in more. Um, all right. You may have to rephrase that. So you're saying that yeah. noticing that, that. Yeah. Those types of guys, those types of salespeople that would rather do that type of selling. And then, so ha- and then kind struggle of a with broad them. base, like have a, a big bag of tricks that they can offer. Big bag of tricks they can offer. Right. And they want to talk to lots of different types of prospects and match them up to the right offer. Yeah. Get a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction out of that process. So you taking away options of what they can offer, they resent mm-hmm. that. Or you doing such a good job of marketing to where they really only meet one type of prospect makes them feel like an order taker. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the in and out versus McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, in and out, they don't do chicken. They don't do salads. Uh, They don't do yogurt. There's no hot apple pie. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, there's not a right or a wrong there. Um, It's from a, if you're the salesperson, you need to understand if that's where you thrive is having, um, a big basket of, of offerings and you want that variety and you want to go out uh, and, and tackle, you know, all types. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
I think ultimately though, you know, a heart surgeon makes more money than the general practitioner. Yep. When you're known for something, um, you can charge higher prices. Yeah. And I think the sale is made faster, even though it's a higher priced sale. You know, I, I specialized in infusion solve for years and there, there was literally no single human being that was selling more infusion soft than me wow. in the world. Okay. Um, now there were companies that were mm-hmm. selling more, but they might have eight or 10 or even 15 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Feeding them. But me as a single person with some contracted uh, people that did some, the fulfillment and the training. So because I, was fanatical about the product uh, and, and refined the, the steps. I, and, and I would sell more at a higher price, right? Mm-hmm. Higher front end retainers, higher monthly uh, retainers than others that were discounting heavily mm-hmm. because I was fanatical about one thing. Yeah. So um, a lot of times we think if, if we niche, uh, that we're going to limit what we can sell. And the reality is, you know, you could say, Hey, I, I only work with, you know, technology firms with five to 20 employees. Uh, and you know, only that use uh, Mac computers, whatever. <clears throat> the reality is somebody that's smaller or larger will call. Say, yeah. I got 25 employees. I got 30, I got 50 would you consider working with us? Mm. Now they're like begging you to take their money. Yeah. And then you can pick and choose. You know, Mm -hmm. you say, well, I don't normally tell me a little more about your situation Mm -hmm. and you can take them on. Okay. So, so just like a surgeon, you know, you got a, an orthopedic surgeon, you know, like specializes in knees. Like, well, Hey, my son's a, a pitcher. He hurt his elbow. Will you work on him? Well, I don't normally, let me take a look. Mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I can help you. And you take them on as a client, right? Or a patient. So it, it doesn't limit you. And, and what you need to realize as well, though, if, if you're chasing a bunch of things, if, if you're saying, I need this variety to, to, you know, spark my interest and my creativity, maybe, yeah. you know, you might be hiding from the fact that, you just don't want to buckle down and do the hard work that it takes to specialize. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's true in a lot of cases. Yeah. And yeah. so, because, yeah, I, I could literally sell just about anything right now. Drop me, you know, airlift me in, you know, give me a list of questions because I understand sales. I understand humans. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I wouldn't be the expert at anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so a true expert, if, if my prospects ran across a true expert in the field, I'd probably lose to them. Fortunately, there's very few true experts. Yeah. So I'd, I'd probably be able to put food on the table selling just about anything, yeah. you know, but the big bucks are made when you specialize. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I think, I think you're right about that. Let's say getting, getting to, let's say 80% 
the, you know, the first 80% of developing a specialty is, is the easy part. It's oh, the yeah. last 20% that makes you better than everybody else. That's way hard. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that might resist it buckling down and, and the creativity, the variety. I think there's well, a lot of us that, that get. I, I use that analogy in, in my sales training, you know, in, in the group, you know, I say that selling is a zero sum game. Okay. Like, what do you mean? Cause we always hear the win, win. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, win, win for you and the customer, but you and, the, and your competition, okay, if you're 1% worse, you lose 100% of the commission, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, I, I love golf, and, and um, you know, you see these guys like in the, in the Masters, you know, they'll play four days, and they'll shoot somewhere around 270 strokes, okay, okay over four days, and, you know, the, the winner shoots 270, the second place guy shoots 271. Well, what, is, what is one stroke over 270, right? It's, it's a fraction of a percent. And so, but at least in golf, you know, the Masters, the winner, the winner makes 1.8 million. Second place, yeah, they still get like $800,000 mm-hmm. for being 0.04% worse. Okay. Or the winners is the winners 0.02% better one day or, or each day out of four days, mm-hmm. but at least the second place guy gets some money. Yeah. And so the, so it's a zero sum game. You have to be 1% better to get a hundred percent of the commission. So are you, are you taking that time that 80, 20, right? To, to learn that 20%. And differentiate. And I'm telling you, everything matters. That's why in my make every sale program, the concept is ideally you make every sale. But the reality is to make any sale, you have to make every sale. And I equate it to dating, right? You know, I met my wife at a country bar 24 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I wore the right clothes. Mm -hmm. Sale number one. I shined my boots. Okay. (laughs) I showered. I put on deodorant. I put on cologne. I knew how to dance, mm-hmm. how I approached my soon to be wife mattered. Was I a cheesy, you know, a-hole? Mm-hmm. Was I forceful that I smile, you know? So each of those is a sale. Yeah. Okay. How we dance. Did I hold her too tight? Did I let my hand slip and brush her butt? Mm-hmm. You know, was I too aggressive? You know, did I play a little hard to get all of those? I'm making a sale. Mm-hmm. So make every sale. They all matter. And so when I get her phone number, how soon did I call? Did I leave a voicemail? So all of that matters. Yeah. And so, so I say it's a zero-sum game, man. You better make sure everything, you're stacking the odds in your favor to win. Yeah, love it. Well, speaking of the uh, the Make Every Sale program, because there's a lot of folks in the audience that might be interested in that for themselves or for their clients, um, I do want to talk about just for a second your your business structure. But before we do that, what's the best way for people to connect and learn more about all the cool stuff that you're doing? Uh, just go to thesaleswhisperer.com. So <laughs> everything's there: my social media, my phone number. Uh, you can schedule a time to talk. All the programs are listed there in the navigation. So you know my books, CDs, it's all there. I oh, love it. So you've got, you've got all kinds of things that you're doing for visibility, right? You've got podcast books, speaking, all that good stuff. So you got visibility. You've got your make every sale program, which is kind of your scalable 
group coaching program essentially for your smaller clients. But then I would say in the middle there, you have like your bread and butter larger clients. You, you kind of gave the outline of them. Um, I want to talk just kind of how you built this into like a hybrid type of thing because you're, it's a, I would say a cross between a consulting agency and a digital agency in the sense that you actually are reselling or pointing people to the software that you're recommending and then you're building solutions on top of that, right? So tell me a little bit about just the, like how did you structure your business so that you can make money from multiple ways from helping the same type of core client? Yeah, it was an evolution. Uh, and, you know, part of it was the uh, wanting to have a bag of tricks, right? So, I, you know, I, I fall prey uh, to the same things that I rant against. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, I didn't want to leave money on the table, you know, so, but I, I focused first, right. And pe became known as the infusion soft guy. Hmm. But then people were like, how the hell do you sell so much? I'm like, well, I got this part of my business shored up, you know, cause McDonald's was very good at hamburgers before they added chicken and before they added salads. So I'm not saying you got to stay in and out the whole time, but you can be in and out the whole time. Mm -hmm. But I had one, one piece of my business going well, but I also recognized that I was a little bit vulnerable. I had all my eggs in one basket, mm -hmm. right? I don't okay. own Infusionsoft. They yeah. can, and they have made changes to the program. So I'm like, okay, I'm vulnerable here. And there was an opportunity. People were like, can you show us how you sell so much? So yeah, I made a program about it. Okay. So, and it helped me serve a broader audience. So it's still niched, right? People that aren't in the market for, you know, a Mercedes, they don't see Mercedes ads. Mm -hmm. right? And the whole, you know, Cadillac or General Motors makes Cadillac on purpose. And they make, they make GM and they make, or GMC, and they make Chevys. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's the same chassis. A lot of things are shared. Yeah. But the branding is different, you know? Volkswagen got in trouble when they came out with a $70,000 SUV. Mm. You know, it's why Honda has what Acura and Nissan has infinity. It's the mm. same cars, but it's a different clientele they market to. So I could have a sales training program. That's a super affordable market that to different people. So it didn't water down my higher level consulting. Yep. Okay. So I could have different things appeal to different people but there needs to be a little bit of a divide there, you know, or you're going to get in trouble. Like, you know, Volkswagen, it's a great SUV, but they were known as the people's wagon. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you're the everyday, every guy's kind of, you know, Joe six pack offer and you come out with a $70,000, $80,000 car, like it just, it's not congruent. Yeah. So, you know, that's how that has evolved over time. And then again, you know, I've been in business now 12 years. So I've changed. I'm, I'm a little more mature. If you ask my wife, she'll disagree with that. <laughs> uh, but I'm more willing and able to have the deeper discussions, the longer term consulting versus a quick sale, you know, get the money, get the residual income. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've evolved as well over time. So it's, um, that's how things have kind of uh, progressed over the last 12 years. Yeah. And the, what I like about your business model is it's, it's the same, it's the same expertise. It's the intersection of sales, marketing, and tech. 
Yes. And, but you're teaching it to, to a couple of different, you don't have seven different types of ideal clients. You have a couple. Right. In other words, you have your core client and then you have the people that aren't quite ready, but they would like to be. Like they're on their way. They're on the journey, right? They're just earlier stage in the journey, but they're the same types of people. And, and you have the same type of expertise and then you're packaging it. Like you, you brought out the difference in branding, right? So you don't try to throw everything under the same branding because the, right. I think that's where a lot of us get into trouble is there's so many people that go, well, I can do these three things. Now, how do I, they'll, they'll give themselves the mental gymnastics all over the place trying to figure out how do I bring that under one brand when, you, that's the exact opposite of what you should do. You have to choose who to lose. Choose who to lose. Okay. You know, Obama didn't apologize for who he appealed to. Trump doesn't either. Yep. Rush, Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern, right? Nobody's yep. on the fence about those guys. Okay. You love them or you hate them. There's no, there's no in the middle. Uh, that's why I say a magnet repels to the same degree that it attracts. Okay, if Rush Limbaugh tried to attract Democrats, if, if Howard Stern tried to attract, you know, it was like, like Las Vegas. Hey, we're family fun. No, you're <laughs> Sin City. Yeah. Okay, so they, they tried it yeah. and they threw it away. Or like, look, we're sex. Mm -hmm. Come to Vegas. Yeah. You know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. So, oh, you know, all the, the Christians, whatever. Oh, it's terrible, right? I mean, so, yeah, yeah. I don't bring my family to Vegas. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's not my cup of tea. Uh, uh, so choose who to lose. Mm. Okay. And, you know, great brands have done that. Apple has done that. Harley Davidson has yeah. done that. You want people that are passionate about you or against you. Mm. They've even done this. It's been years. But, uh, I mean, they, they'll still they'll do it in the, in the music industry. You know, in Nashville, they'll, they'll bring a, a group in. And, and play a song. And if like, if 10% of the people don't absolutely hate the song, it's not a winner. Right? Ooh, that's interesting. It's too innocuous. It's, it's too yeah, bland. It's too bland. If everybody, oh, you remember Soul Train? It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. I give it an eight. No. They want people like, I love this thing. And others like, I will drive my car off a cliff if I can't turn the radio off because this song is that bad right you need oh, you need some passion in there yeah okay against it yeah you know and yeah so there's a great phrase from the immutable laws of marketing where he says look if you if you stand don't don't bother standing for equality or an or a, or some type of competitive advantage that nobody else can say they stand for the opposite thing so a stand for quality is a, essentially a stand for nothing because nobody would ever come out and say i stand for poor quality what's that people say Oh, we have great service after the sale. Yeah. That's not a value proposition because I don't know that your service is good or bad until after I've chosen you and given your money. Now I'm locked in. Yeah. So it's not a differentiator. Yeah. You know, so choose who to lose. Choose who to lose. Love it. That might be the title of the episode. All right. So the sales whisperer, um, get all of your pro information on programs. You mentioned your, your cell phone. So I invite people to use that with discretion. Uh, so that we <laughs> hey, <don't... laughs> hey, I probably won't answer. All okay. right. So I'll give you fair warning, but if you leave a message, that's right. I'll call you back. Cause I, I mean, I usually don't answer my phone. I mean, although, you know, sometimes I do, if I'm hanging out, if I'm driving or whatever, yeah, I'll answer it sometimes, mm -hmm. but, uh, but leave a message, you know, Excellent. text me. Text is probably better. 
<laughs> uh, I'll get back to you. All right. Well, Wes, we appreciate your time. I want to honor your time and don't want to keep it, but I could, I could definitely talk about this stuff for, for hours. So I appreciate you sharing and kind of delving into the background details of the business and how it's structured and stuff like that. I know that there's a lot of coaches and consultants, especially, and, and, and to a lesser extent, agency owners that are looking at your business going, hmm, like uh, there's, there's something there. There's some, like some sort of hybrid. Uh, I think it's one of the business models that's going to win in the next five, 10 years, maybe longer. Uh, combination of consulting expertise, as well as recommending and, and reselling software and things like that. So yeah, I just want to thank you again and appreciate you kind of opening up and sharing the, the back end details of the business. Hey man, my pleasure. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. Uh, That is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.